Hi, this is Angie Meadows, and this is The Rocker Recovery. This is uh, the second book. It's called The Tormented Mind, Overcoming the Tormented Mind. And we're going to go for the first lesson today. And I have my co-host, uh, Billy, with me. Billy, you want to tell him a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Billy Robel. I live in central Pennsylvania. Uh, good friends with Angie and really excited about uh, material. I'm in recovery myself from addiction and uh, really desiring to see people set free. And I know a lot of it, I love that we're talking about the mind because they say that the problem centers in the mind. Um, obviously, we know it centers in the heart. You know, we need heart change. But really, um, without mind change, without the renewing of our mind, a lot of addicts and alcoholics uh, really struggle and, and fall back if there's not this renewing of the mind. So I'm really excited to talk about this. Uh, excited to see how people can learn to act differently and believe differently. And, and yeah, it's good to be here. So there is going to be 12 lessons in this series, and today we're going to do lesson one. So I'm going to screen share. If you're on the YouTube, it's Angie G. Meadows. And if you're on the podcast, it's Rocker Recovery. And so I will put the PDF for this lesson on my website, uh, enablersjourney.com, if you want to copy it off for your group or even copy it off for yourself. So let's see if we can screen share lesson one. Billy, you want to kick us off here? Yes. What would you like me to do? Uh, just talk to him about the different stages here. Just kind of read through these stages and then we'll go through them one by one. So offense, um, you know, for me, just in my life, I think of different things that have happened to me uh, that caused me, obviously, the, the circle as it goes around, you know, the fretting would be to worry. Could mean to be angry. Uh, obviously, that turns into anger, which we know is detrimental to people in recovery. Matter of fact, you know, the big book talks about we're unqualified to be angry. We cannot live in anger in any way, shape, or form, which really leads, again, to bitterness, which is really that deep-seated resentment that we have against people. And they say resentment is the number one offender. It takes more people back uh, to addiction than anything. Is, is this being angry and, and unable to deal with our emotions, unable to talk through them. Uh, again, there it goes. It leads to revenge thinking. How can I get back at this person? Really, revenge thinking, it makes it, we think we're going to feel better. You know, boy, if I can just get back at them. And part of my story was, you know, I wanted to cause somebody else pain that caused me pain. And, and in an odd way, it made me feel better that they were hurting too. And certainly not the way God wants me to be living, which really leads to a life of full-on anxiety. And really the anxiety is, is what I run from. In active addiction, I don't like to feel anxious. And drugs and alcohol tame the anxiousness uh, temporarily. And certainly it's, it's, it's blind. And then depression. And depression is there, you know, for me, when I look at depression, I think of hopelessness. Yeah. Uh, I get to that place where I just have no hope and I have nowhere else to turn. And I'm, I'm, I'm so inward focused, I'm so isolated in my mind, in my heart. And really that, that leads to just utter uh, hopelessness, really, where I want to give up yeah. and, and I don't want to keep continuing to go on. And then the tormentor's prison, obviously, that's the, the extreme where, you know, the enemy has me right where he wants me in total isolation, total separation from those around me, any sort of support group of people really just living in this total self-driven lifestyle um, where my mind, I mean, I'm in a prison 
Yeah. I'm in bondage to my sin, to my mind, to, to all the things that, that have driven me to this place, which really result in me wanting to run. And when I run, I do damage to myself. When I, it's really that self-destruct mode that I get into where I want to take away the feelings. You know, for me, addicts use because they don't like their feelings. And we run from our feelings. We don't know how to deal with our feelings so that we run from them. And we look for relief from our feelings. Instead of working on our feelings and dealing with those, we take the easy way out. And because it's hard. This is not easy. It's, it's hard to look at some of this stuff. And hopefully as you continue to do these lessons and really build support groups around people, that's the most important because we're not as unique as we think. You know, the enemy likes to talk about this stuff. The more we deal with it, the more we realize that we're not as unique. A lot of us have maybe different circumstances, but the feelings are the same. And we all want to run from those feelings, not just addicts and alcoholics. You know, it's not comfortable. Dealing yeah, with stuff is not, not comfortable. It's so, not. But God wants us to. And, and I think in dealing with this stuff, boy, the, God, the grace of God shines through. And when it does, you realize that a lot of this is just a boogeyman. It's not as scary as what the, our mind makes it out to be. And it is, you know, there's absolutely hope because there's many of us who are, you know, doing this face on. We're heading, we're doing it. We're working on it a step at a time. It's a lot of times we make a mountain out of a molehill. We just got to focus on one part and, and really just start chipping away at this. So, yeah, really awesome. Um, this whole book is all about uh, torment and how to unravel your torment. And then we go through different levels of offenses and what that looks like and how to not take an offense and how to work yourself through offense. And then what it looks like to have a wounded spirit and how to recover from a wounded spirit. So today we're going to talk about the, this tormented spirit. And, and I have noticed that there are three types of torment, Billy. There's the inward torment that I get into where I just hit the self-destruct button. And then mm -hmm. there's a, a subconscious torment where I don't really have any words for it. I just have my stomach just hurts and I just have this tightness in my jaw. And then mm -hmm. when that gets overwhelming and I haven't recognized it and dealt with it, then it goes to outward torment, which is raging and abusive. And I don't yeah. do that, but I know I just flip back to the inward, but I know a lot of people that they get to that outward torment. And when the torment gets so intense, I think that that's when you're more likely to relapse. Sure. So read for me the introduction here. The person who exhibits inward torment develops exaggerated anxiety, which ends in fear, anxiety, or depression. And, you know, in recovery, you know, we say fear, we are, it says we are, you know, it's a cord that runs through our life. We are driven by a hundred forms of fear. I mean, it just surrounds uh, an addict and an alcoholic's lifestyle. This person may or may not have the ability to know when or where the torment started. They may not be able to trace the torment back to a particular event. Another form of subconscious torment can be identified by physical ailments, stomach problems, eating disorders, sleeplessness, physical sickness, twitching, choking while swallowing. There is a pervading, looming anxiety over their entire life. This feels like a life characterized by tight rope walking. Boy, do we like to run from that. No, we do. The person no. who exhibits, yeah, the person who exhibits outward torment has exaggerated emotions, exaggerated crying, moodiness, and racing thoughts. They often express their internal torment externally. There is a hyper-focus on the temporal and trivial. Oh, there you go, making a mountain out of a molehill. Nothing seems to please them. Extreme levels of unleashed torment. 
drives them to rage, abusing others or them or themselves. You often see cutting or other self-destructive behaviors with addictions or even suicidal thinking. Uh, the wanting to just end our life totally, you know, that, that, that is what it drives us to. The cutting or the addictive behaviors give them temporary relief from their extreme torment. These are destructive coping strategies. That's right. They're very destructive. And so we have to start learning other coping strategies that are going to help us. And we'll do that later on. But today's lesson is learning to recognize when you have a tormented mind cycle going on. And the first thing is offense. Being offended skews our ability to discern what is best for our lives. So taking an offense leaves us with a motive that may be impure. It seems an offense sets us back to be a magnet for chaos. The chaos increases our confusion and everything good that we're trying to accomplish seems to be misaligned with an evil force or at the very least produces an unfruitful life of nagging unease. So here's the scriptures with that. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless without offense for the day of Christ. And that's Philippians 1.10. And so I believe what it's saying, Billy, is not to take an offense. Right. Just, you know, I can feel myself taking offense. I can feel it tightening up right here. And I can just feel my little fist. In it and yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, so sometimes when we've been abused, uh, there is a righteous anger that needs to be there, that needs to be felt, uh, and we need to feel it with safe people so that right. we process it. We don't need to stuff that kind of anger. We need to say, you know, what was done was wrong, it was evil, and we almost need to sure. allow ourselves to be a little bit angry so that we can protect ourselves. And, and sure. a lot of people won't feel their anger because they think that if I'm angry, I will be violent. So what I feel works is if um, I work through anger a little at a time with a trusted friend who validates me, who says, yes, you have every right to be angry about that. Sure. And then sure. to just start releasing it. Because the next verse says, we put no stumbling block or offense in anyone's past so that our ministry will not be discredited or blamed. And that's 2 Corinthians 6, 3. So if I'm taking an offense, then I'm literally stumbling. The word offense in the Bible can also be translated as the word stumble. So if I allow an offense to go on and on and on and don't process it, don't work through it, um, don't release it, then it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back to bite me. I was going to say there, I agree too, with, as far as anger. When I said that we can't afford to be angry, we cannot afford to act out in That's anger. Right. Right. And that's really correct because, you know, as addicts and alcoholics, no one taught us how to healthy, you know, how to be healthy. How do you deal with anger in a healthy manner? It is, we do need to acknowledge those feelings without a doubt because the reality is things have happened to us. You know, and there is valid reasons to be angry, but there's not valid reasons to act out in self-destructive behaviors right. or against another person. That's right. And I think that's where we don't know what to do. And um, so we run from it, which obviously then we stuff it down. You know, we just keep stuffing it down or we it comes out in all sorts of other ways, which are self-destructive and destructive to those around us. And, yeah. Yeah. Totally sabotages. So you want to hit that second one, that fretting? <laughs> sure. Fretting is a sister to murmuring, grumbling, and obsessive rumination. Recognizing fretting is half the battle. The next step will be to identify what person or circumstance, past or present, is driving the fretting 
and empower ourselves to make a plan of recovery. Important plan of recovery. Fretting takes energy and strength and potentially leaves us drained and helpless to make a healthy decision for our lives. Do not fret. Because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. And that is Psalms 37 verses 1, 7, and 8. It's very clear. Do not fret. The verses are acknowledging that people are doing evil, wrong, seeing and wrongdoing, and wicked schemes. But then it instructs us that if we fret, it will only lead to evil. The person in the wrong is wrong. You know, that's obvious. But our fretting makes us part of the problem. Again, you know, in recovery, we say we need to take care of our side of the street. We can't be jumping over to their side of the street. We're responsible for our side of the street. So what are we to do? Be still and be patient. I like that. Slow to act. You know, don't respond swiftly. That's dangerous for us. If we recognize we are fretting and refuse to fret, we can use our strength to smile and enjoy the day. The torment is then unable to cling to us. This is counterintuitive and requires emotional maturity. Yeah, and I like I like this uh, Psalms 37. I, I wrote this out and like one through 11 and put it on my kitchen wall where I was doing dishes. And I would catch myself fretting. And then I would circle the main words and all the verses. And it was um, delight yourself in me. Uh, trust in me. Uh, do good. Don't be angry. Uh, fret not, fret not, fret not. <laughs> so I was like, what would it look like to delight myself in the Lord? And yeah. so that's what I would do when I would catch myself fretting, I would flip it and start delighting in the Lord. So I just start singing and praising like the Lord and getting my worship on. And you know, that would yeah. kind of just slide right off of me. Sure does. In verse three, it says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. And I love this and enjoy safe pasture. Oh, you know, we're safe. And when we do those things, and I love that uh, danger, fretting and is danger. Uh, pastor, God's peace and his presence is safe. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think a lot of times that we learned emotional maturity. I mean, we learned how to physically walk and crawl and, and uh, skip and run and read, but we didn't learn how to be emotionally mature, how to uh, handle those kinds of emotions. And so that's what this series talks about. Yeah, it's great. So the third one is to be angry. If I'm angry at someone, do I need to communicate it immediately? Well, remember, anger blames someone else. Instead, accept my portion of the responsibility. That's just what you were saying. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. James 1, 19 and 20. And if you've ever been manipulated with anger and with a bully, and that's that's no fun and it may make people jump and do what they ask them to do but it's never going to produce love what do you think yeah no absolutely it doesn't produce love that's for sure no and i can't i can't live in both i mean that's you know we say there's no middle of the road solution and what that means is i cannot live in anger and be living in, in the presence of god it doesn't work Right. You know, and I've tried to do that. I'm a, you know, I work with a lot of people and it's like, you know, they're not feeling God's presence or their, their prayer time is not well, or 
you know, they have all these things to complain about. And it's like right away, well, what's, what's going on in your life? And it doesn't take too long to realize, oh, they're, they have some of these issues where they're anger, they're living in anger. They're, they, and they don't know how to get out of it. You know, right. There's just not a solution. And there is, we know the solution, but they don't. And that, that is, that's what requires, you know, like you said, up ahead, emotional maturity. Um, it's not just about putting down the drink or the drug. We need to know how to handle these emotions. Right. Their emotions, they're real. We have them and that's okay. The reality is those, we need to learn how to deal with them in a healthy manner. Um, because if not, I mean, it, it doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. That's the truth. Right. It, it produces the opposite. And then we wonder why we want to fret and be angry and run away and, and throw in the towel. Um, it will never produce the, the life that we want. Right. Now, my anger, if I um, process it, uh, I, what I do is I sit with it like 10 minutes every morning. And I'm like, Lord, I'm angry. I'm angry about this. I hate this. I hate this. I hate that. And then I just take a deep breath and I walk away and I go enjoy my day. But if I don't do that, if I don't release it, now it may come up every day or a couple of times a week or even a couple of times a day. And when it comes up, if I can just sit with it for just a little, um, a few moments, uh, figure out what my responsibility is, what I can't fix and I can't change, what needs to be released to God, um, then I can move forward. But if not, a man, I can stew all day in hatred. It, my anger goes to hatred quick. Yeah. What do you think about being angry at yourself, Angie? Ooh. You know, sometimes addicts, you know, we're, we are angry at other people, believe it. But I, you know, I work with a lot of guys who, you know, repeated failures, repeated relapses, and they have this this anger towards themselves. Oh, wow. Where they just keep failing. And how, how would you suggest that they begin to work on, you know, this, this feeling of self-hatred? and self I, You know, I'm just too narcissistic to be, to hate myself. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about because I work with a lot in, of, of those in recovering in addiction. And the very first thing I do when I hold on to them and hug them and pray with them is I start, I start quoting scripture. You are loved with an everlasting love and underneath are the everlasting arms. I will draw you with my loving kindness. And um, I just start telling them that God is love and how much God loves them and how there's nothing ever ever, ever that they can do. There's no abortion. There's no prostitution. There's no drug addiction. There's no abuse. There's nothing they can do that will separate them from the love of God. And as I just start doing this, they usually start sobbing. And then I talk to them about putting one hand on this side and one hand on this side and sitting on the couch every day and say, I am loved. Because so many of them just don't feel loved. And I know- oh my gosh. I know when I started doing that, that activity with myself, because I realized I didn't feel loved, that I, um, I would just sit there and sob. Mm -hmm. But then I would realize that I am loved, and I would start thinking about the people who do love me. But it would take me back to, why don't I feel loved? And there was a blockage there. There had been abuse in my past that I hadn't worked through that was blocking me from being able to feel other, people, other people's love, just their kindness, just... You know, I mean, I, I parked my car one day and somebody, before I could get out, somebody popped a quarter in, in my meter. And I, I recognized that as love. And I was like, oh, look, it's love. You know, even though it's just a little kind gesture that strangers are doing, opening the door for you, you know, um, giving you a little warning here or there, that's love. And so I started looking for love. 
I so, love that. Just to go along with what you said, Ephesians, you know, verse three nineteen says, this is the new living translation. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Mm. You know, love is Christ is really the true expression of love. And I think, right. you know, for me, that is what brought so much life changes when I realized he accepted me as I was. I could come. I didn't have to fix myself. I earn love. We always are trying to earn somebody's love or favor. And with God, you know, Christ says, you know, I don't need you to earn it. Matter of fact, you can't earn it on your own. That's right. I paid the price for you. So to be released from that need to earn, that Christ has already paid the price. Uh, boy, when we get a hold of that, that, that really does, uh, that brings fullness of life. It really does. Don't you think they just need somebody to hold on to them and say, I love you? Sure do. Yeah, just that. Affirmation. Just that, yes. Yeah, just that acceptance. I mean, I know Absolutely. I need it. I know I need it. Yeah. I know when they give it back to me, I'm like, oh, that's just like honey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so let's read this next part. Uh, wait before expressing anger. During the waiting, you will analyze and claim your own part of the problem. If you do this wrong, you'll be waiting your waiting will turn into a weapon of bitterness and you will build a case against someone else for the offense. <laughs> and that's when you know you your waiting has, has worked against you. But once you learn to rapidly release anger, this process can be done quicker. The rule is do not speak until you have control over your emotions and can speak out of love, not out of anger. I usually wait three days. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Highlight that part. That was good. Okay. Now let me tell you what I do during those three days. I, after three days, I can't remember why I was angry. <laughs> it was just some <laughs> other exact yeah, right? trigger or I realized it was a trauma memory and I overreacted and I'm very happy. I didn't say anything and hurt somebody or I found sure. a gentle way to discuss the situation with the person who needs corrected or coached or I decided the person isn't worth it and isn't approachable and would just abuse me and I take it to the Lord and leave it. Hmm. So those are my options. But if I don't wait before I process it, like if I just immediately jump into anger, then, yep. I, then I've got a mess to clean up. You know, they say in a recovery circles, we react and, and that's a sign of emotional immaturity instead of processing and waiting um, we, we react instantly, which obviously causes us problems all the time because we don't think clearly. Our emotions, our thoughts are skewed. I mean, we rarely see things for what they really are. You know, we're always misdiagnosing why we're angry and the problem. And uh, yeah, so we really need to be slow uh, to react. All right, let's hit that bitterness. Like that. Yeah, bitterness is an attitude that destroys present and future enjoyment of a relationship. Bitterness can be from abuse, neglect, unmet needs, or simply unmet expectations. I know if I am bitter because I can't let go of something that happened or something I expected to happen. That's very true. And, uh, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. That's in Ephesians verses 431. Recovery. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4.32. And just to, just to speak on that for a second, you know, when your sin is brought before the throne of Christ, and I know for me it, was, it wasn't anybody else's fault. In my life, I was definitely, they say that we have to take responsibility for our own recovery. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people get sober and clean and they say, boy, if, if so-and-so would change or if everybody would just change, I would just magically be fine. I wouldn't have to be angry or live in this bitterness or rage. The reality is, is we in ourselves have fallen into sin. And when we are faced, you know, obviously with the, the love of God and the forgiveness of God, we take ownership for ourselves. Uh, that's really where we begin to take full responsibility for our recovery, which allows us, that's the foundation you know, we really need to begin building on uh, to do that. Uh, revenge. If bitterness is indulged and exaggerated, it can quickly turn to revenge. Scripture says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. That's found in Romans twelve nineteen. 19. Uh, recovery for that. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. Romans 12, 20 to 21. Yeah, that's a home run. Not easy. That's the maturity skill right there in that Romans 12, 20, and 21. That's maturity. That's what it looks like. And so I can't be mature until I choose to be mature because it doesn't come naturally to me. So let's go to anxiety number six. There is much to be said about the weight of anxiety. It can certainly overshadow any enjoyment of the day. Most anxiety can be resolved by staying in the present moment and trusting that however things work out, it will be fine. My anxiety is exacerbated by controlling people and circumstances. There is a freedom in allowing others to make mistakes and to find their own path. And Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Mm-hmm. Now, if I get soaked in that anxiety for very long, it's going to turn to depression. Right. You want to read the depression one? Sure. Depression. The weight of chronic unresolved issues in our life can end in despair. There is a wrestling with ourself that needs to be done. Many who sink into depression have an all good or mental or a bad mentality. The psalmist David took all his expressions of depression straight to the throne of God. Well, let me tell you before I read this, I have been in the book of Psalms a lot lately because I feel like David, sometimes it's back and forth. One day I'm like, oh, this is great. And, you know, God is actively working and everything's awesome. And then the next day it's like, oh, no, what is going on? You know, because this darn mind I have isn't, you know, we live in a world that's broken. Our mind is still not, I mean, at least me, not fully renewed. Um, and God just doesn't hit that. We always say, boy, I wish he would just hit the delete button or the reset button. And God doesn't do that because I think in him taking me through my emotions, God wants to bring us through those things because in them we receive grace and mercy. And it just, it magnifies who he is so much more when we realize that God can bring us through these things and Amen. that these emotions are just emotions. They're not going to kill me. They're not going to hurt me if I learn to release them to his care. Yes. Um, that's what I've been trying to do lately. And the other thing that I teach them, I've got an emotional regression lesson where I teach them that those are just little parts that need nurtured, that need, mm-hmm. uh, you know, parented or need uh, kindness. And so you can show grace to yourself if you're, if you're wallowing in self-pity or depression or sadness. You, you can just move that uh, emotion outside of yourself and look at it and process it, but not identify with it. Instead, identify with the strong man inside of you and with maturity. So here it says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. That's Psalm 18.4. 
I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. Psalm 77, 3. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. Psalm 88, 3. Boy, David knew how to be honest with his emotions. He did. He, and Sometimes I, think, you, <laughs> I think God's big enough to take it. I think we can take sure is. this stuff to the Lord. And then we yeah. don't feel like we're alone. Yeah, amen. So when you get through that, when you, if you're stuck in that depression, you're immediately going to go to torment. And we'll have another lesson on uh, Matthew 18 and how to get out of that tormentor's prison. So the exercise today that I want you to do is to evaluate the reasons why you may be stuck in this tormented mind cycle. And then I want you to recognize how today, how often your thinking is bound by an offense, by fretting, by anger, by bitterness or anxiety and refuse to think to this type of thinking. Like I need you to think it for about 10 minutes and then I need you to refuse it. Otherwise you're just going to stew on it all day long to where you're literally meditating on negativity until it digs a deep rut in your brain and you can't stop it. And a lot of times we get stuck in that cycle. And the only way I know to break it when I'm stuck is to really switch my thinking and put good thoughts or some of these good scriptures in front of me and force my mind to think on that good stuff. So read the principle, Billy. Principle. Indulging exaggerated emotions produces chaos and torment. It does, doesn't it? Sure so, does. And we exaggerate everything. I mean, that, that whole, that exaggerated word right there, we, we just turn something that's very small into something very big. And then we have so many things going on at one time. It just creates this inner chaos. I mean, that's exactly it. It's inner chaos. And, and we want to run. That is, boy, that's our, that's our go-to. That's our reaction is run as far as you can away from this to okay. something that can immediately take it away, which is drugs and alcohol. You know, yes. talk about instant fix, instant gratification, um, where this, this isn't instant gratification. We have to work on these things, but the, the result when we do work through this stuff is so much more better and greater than anything that, that the world could offer. Um, yeah, it's, it's like it brings you're, stepping on, you're stepping on top of that storm. You're, you're getting a handle on it. You're going, you're getting up that mountain. Go ahead. I just want to say the opposite of this is contentment. Content in myself. I'm content in my my place. I'm content in my mind, my heart. Um, really, really important. That's what can produce. Yeah. So that's another lesson on itself, isn't it? Contentment. Okay. So in conclusion, a recognition of an offense that triggers this cycle is vital to recovery. So recognize throughout the day if this exaggerated cycle starts if it started with an offense something that triggered you a cognitive awareness of our behavioral patterns that follow is crucial now some of your patterns may be a little different than what's on this torment and mind cycle and just start recognizing what it looks like mm -hmm. and when when we understand our cycle then we can work through these behaviors and practice developing emotional maturity skills the next two lessons are important in recovery first we will explore the mental replay loop that torment plays in our minds and we'll explore the lives we believe and we'll build mature thinking skills Secondly, we will unravel all the traps of torment. So mm -hmm. say the scripture with me, Billy. Sure. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Psalms 18. Psalm 18, 2. 
So let me pray for you guys. Lord, help us to recognize our torment and how that we can be delivered and live free from fretting, anxiety, and depression. Help us, oh Lord, to trust with you with all the outcomes of our lives and give us the power of emotional maturity of love and a sound mind that you describe in 2 Timothy 1, 7. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen and amen. Now for your groups, I have an optional mental torment evaluation. Uh, you can say always, never, or sometimes. Uh, the reasons that we might be stuck in a tormentor's prison. Billy, you want to go through a few of these? Yeah, sure. Uh, reasons we may be stuck in tormentor's prison. Uh, mark the ones that relate to you, that you need to work through. Bad habit formed over the years. Learned behavior or passed on from family. We got a lot of those. Uh, two, in, indulging self-pity through undisciplined thinking. Uh, self-pity is our go-to. It is our reaction, in, in our internal reaction. Uh, bringing up past, mounting up offenses. Focusing on self and not Christ. Yep, self-centered, driven by self. Fatigue, lack of sleep. Do I need to take care of myself? Eat right, exercise and rest. Absolutely. Having recently talked to or been with an angry person. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25. Offenses from others. Some people are not safe to confront. Uh, Proverbs 9, 7, and 8. And that's true. We need to learn. You know, Some people aren't safe, and that's okay. Uh, helpless feeling. Frustration with deeper unresolved issues or repetitive trauma. Uh, money stress. Big deal. Money stress. My gosh, it's as important as air to most addicts <laughs> and alcoholics. It really is. Uh, unchangeable circumstances. Sickness, pain, etc. Again, that brings hopelessness. Uh, stuck in a grieving cycle. And refusing to forgive another locks the prison door. So what I want you to do, if you have any of these 13 things that are on this being stuck in a tormentor's prison, is I want you to get in your groups or with your counselors or your coaches, your mentors, and I want you just to work through one at a time. That way you'll know, you'll at least know what's causing your torment. Okay, so this is Rocker Recovery. This is Angie Meadows and Billy Robel, and we enjoyed you today. Let's see if I can get off this screen share so we can be bigger. <laughs> okay, so listen to us on the podcast, listen to us on YouTube, uh, share and like. I'll put the PDF on my website, enablersjourney.com, and we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye, guys. <laughs> See if I can find the stop record button. <laughs> Bye, Bailey. <laughs>